0: My recommendation for anybody that does consultation with Texas Hemp cultivators is really look at the viability of doing under three acres. Look at doing an acre. Look at doing a greenhouse full. Really get to understand these plants and get yourself, you know, ready for marketability prior to trying to do something big and then just, you know, falling flat on your face like I said earlier. I would say measure all your risks really dive in, do the work and the principles behind growing, you know, get yourself a consultant, get yourself a trusted seed partner. So find somebody that's done it, find somebody that has a reputation, find somebody that you could get a referral from, and then ask them questions, ask them why, ask them how. Anybody should be able to talk to you about agriculture. The people that don't tell you or say it's super easy, those are the ones that you need to watch out for
1: Hello, welcome back to another episode of the To Be Blunt podcast. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, and I could not be more excited for today's guest. As you all know, I am born and raised in the state of Texas and I operate my business, Restart CBD, still here in Texas, and I call Austin home. So for me, while I love that this podcast affords me opportunities to talk about cannabis and hemp at a national and even sometimes international level, I really love having conversations right in my backyard. I think it's really important to understand what is going on in a local market as it applies to where you're directly living. And so I definitely appreciate being able to use this platform as a way to have conversations that are happening, you know, in reflection of what is going on in my state. And so that's why today's guest, Sage Howell, he is the vice president of Texas Hemp Cultivators. And that essentially is a hemp farm operating in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. What makes Sage really unique in his approach is he's actually an organic certified farm. And so, of course, trying to both look at it from a Texas perspective, but also from, you know, that marketing lens I think organic certifications are not something new for our industry, but certainly not something that is as widely adopted yet. And so I definitely wanted to have Sage on the show for that reason, just to talk about, you know, one, what it's been like growing in Texas this first season and what, was the you know reasoning behind going and establishing his operation as a certified organic farm. So I hope you guys are excited and ready to tune in. Let's welcome Sage to the show now.
0: Hi there, to be blunt listeners. My name is Sage Howell, and I'm the vice president of Texas Hemp Cultivators. We are a certified organic hemp production company in the Lone Star State of Texas, and we're smack dab around 17 miles west of Fort Worth. What we're aiming to do and what we did in 2020 was essentially grow hemp in Texas soil, stabilize the Texas hemp strain, and create vertically integrated organic cannabis products for the consumer and the industrial market. It was really fun. Grew three acres outdoors and you know, another acre indoors, and now I'm here talking with Shada. Hey, Shada.
1: Hi, Save, Thanks for being on the show. Let's back up a little bit. I want to get a better understanding. I mean, obviously you're growing in Texas. Most of my listeners are based in Texas, so I'm sure they're either growing themselves or they're working with farmers or they're looking to get growing. And so you have what I've observed being a really interesting denotation on actually your farm, which is organic certification. So I definitely want to talk about
0: Mm,
1: why you're organically certified, what that looks like, especially also for my audience this conversation is really meant to have a filter of marketing. And so representing, you know, my own brand restart CBD, we, we carry a lot of flour and I work with a lot of farmers I will acknowledge I don't have any Texas flower in my store currently. Um, Can't wait to dig into, you know, maybe some of the reasons why that might be, but uh, it's a new thing in Texas. And so I'm sourcing from out of the state and my farmers that I'm working with, you know, talk about organic practices, but it's my understanding that getting an actual organic certification is really actually quite challenging. So when I connected with you and you told me that you had an organic certification, like a true organic certification, it really piqued my interest. And I thought that would be a really good a place for us to kind of kick off this discussion. So if you can maybe start sure. with organic, why organic and how did you get a certification?
0: Yeah, that's a really good observation. And yeah, Texas is fairly new to this whole, this, this whole production of hemp. Um, it hasn't been grown in the state, I think for 80 years. So we're all new to it, really excited for it. But how I got started in organic certification was my background prior jumping in prior to jumping in the hemp space was commercial agriculture in indoor settings for food production. So the likes of Cisco, Freshpoint Brothers and Chef's Produce, I would grow commercial leafy greens, herbs, microgreens, and um, lettuces for them uh, on a production scale. So anywhere between 200 pounds of basil a week of 400 pounds of uh, mint were going out of my greenhouse um, for upwards of, you know, three years prior to the 2018 Farm Bill. And then I got, you know, my, my sites for when Texas would have a plan implemented for hemp and jumped on it when the licensing came out in 2020. But the reason why I did organic is once you're in commercial food production, you really want to set aside and set yourself apart from the field because you're competing with commodities and commodities are normally just brand, you know, like, uh, a white-labeled hemp brand is just a commodity at that point, or like um, a white-labeled leafy green. It's, it's just the standard market price because it is what it is. So if you go above and beyond and you create certifications within the crops that you're producing, it kind of puts you a little bit ahead of the competition at that point. So I figured with hemp, there'd be a lot of people rushing into it. And I took my food knowledge and my food certifications, and I just shifted them and completely changed my crop rotation and crop production to hemp and just got that crop certified organic the same way I would do it um, for food production. And so what that really looks like is sourcing a third-party auditor to come to your production facility or farm. We have a 19-acre farm with five working acres. So I had them come out and do a huge site review prior to ever starting the organic system plan process. The um, third party certifier was a USDA third party called the CCOF, which is a national organic program, you know, um, third party that works with the federal governments to audit and certify farms that want to go towards that organic route. And so, yeah, pretty much use them to do it. But it just really meant opening my books up, showing them every single imprint from start to finish that's been on this farm for the past three years indoors and outdoors, and then showing them the seed certificates, showing them my line of production and what the production looks like in season, outdoor and indoors, and uh, really adhering to the um, all natural image of cannabis and and really making a safe, clean product. Because with that, I couldn't use any pesticides, any non-approved fertilizers. They all had to be organically sourced, and um, I couldn't use any herbicides, and I uh, had to use sustainable no-till practices outdoors to adhere to the CCOX vision. So yeah, did that answer the question or I get real deep into it there, Shada?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it did. I think, um, you know, obviously there's the health side of organic. It's more than just a buzzword. I personally try to eat organic as much as possible and obviously want to work and source products that have that official organic seal. But again, my perspective and my point in the industry, kind of where I sit, obviously here in Texas, but having a lot of access to the national conversation, it's just something that I've observed as it hasn't really quite taken hold in cannabis. You know, again, as somebody who frequents legal states a lot, I don't, I don't see a lot of, you know, this bud's organic versus that bud's not. And so from again, what I heard, it just it seemed like it was a harder thing for farms to get. And so I was just really curious, again, like when we came um, into contact with each other, just hearing your story and learning what you were up to it just fascinated me. Because again, I hear a lot of people saying we do organic agriculture practices, but they don't actually have that certification.
0: Yeah, yeah. And here's the reason why it's so difficult and why I went with it. it I thought it was going to give me like this super awesome, you know, up to the plate, like priority over everybody else. But just like he said, the nationwide industry of cannabis production doesn't have a standardized way of looking at organic certification.
1: Right And That's here's the
0: underlying it. reason, yeah. So the federal government doesn't recognize pesticides being applied to cannabis, so states have took it within themselves to identify what's legal, what's not legal, based on their legalization of that plant moving forward to, to, to human consumption. The reason why I did it and the reason why this, I think, is going to end up being the standard in the industry, it, certified or not, people are going to start looking as as more consumers come up to the table, as marketers start really start looking at what cannabis looks like. And organic translates to we do not use pesticides and we do not use any residual chemicals that could be harmful to the plant or to the land that that plant was grown in or potentially. The end user, because as we all well know, this plant is most of the time, you know, turned into an oil or turned into a vape or turned into a product that gets concentrated down the line. If there's anything bad in that plant that was grown in a more conventional manner, like a pesticide being used and nobody disclosed it or some type of fertilizer that was heavy, heavy metal contaminated, it would essentially bioaccumulate and travel down the line. I guess the cool thing about organics at this point is that it just it it opens your books up for everything that you've used. And it's it's audited a little bit more um and I'm gonna say it, it's a little bit more regulated than what the TDA did for the licensing for the Texas Hemp, you know, inaugural year. So that's that's a pretty interesting thing. And that was another reason I got the audit was just to have two eyes on what I was doing in the operation.
1: Yeah, I think you make a really interesting observation of just like every state's regulation is still really in, in flux. And I think that's a key mm-hmm. point. If you listen to, you know, listeners, all my other episodes, I stress it pretty much every episode, pay attention to what is happening outside of your state. And then especially learn and apply what is happening in your specific geographical area, because there's just so much variation. And I think we're just not speaking the same language yet. So especially here in Texas, obviously, like you said, we just opened up licensing in 2020. We're just in the beginning of 2021. I know um, if you're growing outside, you know, people are getting ready for spring. Spring's obviously a really good time to start growing. Um, And so it's just something that I think as we progress as an industry, both as a state and at a federal level, we're going to see more, Consistencies, But yeah, it sounds like it's still a little bit of the wild, wild west, but good for you for, you know, kind of being on the forefront of setting. I don't think it's a trend. I think it's um, more than a trend, right? I mean, what I was going to also say too, I don't know if you know the name or the proper word, but in my understanding with cannabis. Hemp, in particular, perhaps, maybe more so than marijuana. Um, It is a very absorbent plant in the soil. So, like, the application. Yes. Like, Mm -hmm. I've heard that they planted it in, like, Chernobyl, where there were obviously these um, explosions and, there's just so much chemicals left in the ground and the air. And so they were planting hemp and it was helping kind of suck those toxins out of the ground. And so it just seems to be a very absorbent plant that if you aren't doing it organically, it seems more susceptible to the bad stuff, which, if you're yeah. a heavy consumer like myself, should be something to be of consideration.
0: It is. I mean, the idea is you eat organic. Why not smoke things that are organic as well, or just consume anything that it's organic? You know, I took a page from California, the certifier that I used, I flew out the guy and I'm using a California certifier to make sure I get that USDA seal. They're looking towards the future of cannabis in that sense. But yeah, so To touch on the point of cannabis and hemp in general, um, they're a huge bioaccumulator. They have very strong roots, they're heavy feeders, and they have the ability to take up arsenic and heavy metals from the soil. Not only that I believe they're used in Chernobyl, they're used in industrial oil sites. They they use that to clean up soil as well. That's one thing that uh, I'm looking forward to moving into, if that's at all possible here in Texas. Growing not for the consumption of the oil, but for the fiber and industrial industry is going to be a bigger player, I think, and replace row crop farming out here and at least cotton country, I think, in West Texas. But yeah, no, it's important to have an organic plant so you can see that and then just leave it on the processors to create a good product that really captures the essence of, okay, we're going to grow the best because it's going to end up being medicine anyway, somehow, shape, or form.
1: Absolutely. No, and you brought up another point that I think is really relevant that I want to kind of shift gears to, and that is – you know, the other applications, I kind of teed up in the beginning of the episode, you know, with my retail location, I don't personally sell any flour from Texas currently. You know, I I get calls all the time. Farmers want to, you know, they're growing in Texas. They're really excited. They're looking for retailers to help, you know, sell their products essentially. And so as a born and raised Texan, I want nothing more than to see this industry, you know, thrive in in our state. However, in its present state, it is not very uh, quality, if that 's fair of me to say and and I think that the state kind of agrees everybody that i 've talked to, kind of my peers at our operating levels agrees you know hey it 's our first year. we were just you know kicking the can around, trying to understand what is the weather going to be like you know is indoor outdoor grow going to be better and obviously, knowing Texas has a long standing farming history, I think that the agricultural foundation is there, but knowing how finicky both marijuana to even hemp is i mean while they're similar plants like they can be very finicky depending i know i know specifically with hemp obviously we are under a federal thc delta nine percentage watch and um, we cannot exceed over 0.3 and from what i've observed from farmers growing in texas there was a lot of hot crops and it there broke were. my heart to see a lot yeah. of people lose their crops so kind of the first part of the question i guess is what does it currently look like to be a Texas hemp farmer? What are your observations?
0: Sure, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm not just gonna speak for myself. I'm gonna speak for just Texas as a broad generality here. Sure,
1: go there. We
0: just got this. We just got this crop, and um, a lot of us will throw a lot of energy in making it right. Texas has a good knack of doing things the best whenever we can, and so. Getting the licensing, you know, late in the first quarter of 2020 wasn't the most ideal situation for Texas farmers. Some people didn't get their plants in the ground until August. I was very fortunate to have the infrastructure to be able to grow some really healthy plants. And um, it's going to take a genetic stabilization because I want you to think here, Shada, where have these plants been growing and what's the major difference between where they have been growing and Texas? And I'm going to go ahead and answer the question for you. It's heat. It's a tremendous amount of oppressive heat and a huge, huge sunlight load. That's going to be one of the obstacles Texas farmers have to get past to grow a quality flower for like um, oil consumption, like something that's ri- that rivals, you know, your your awesome organ grows or your wonderful Washington grows. You're just going to have to, and this is one thing that Texas Temp Cultivators is doing, we're just going to have to identify what genotypes and phenotypes are going to be the most well-rounded to withstand the very high temperatures, the potential drought, and, you know, just the randomness of Texas weather. I think, um, I think give Texas probably two more years and we'll be up to date and up to speed with the market as and in general. Um, but it's, that's one of the biggest obstacles is just overcoming the heat load that these plants have. Um, I'll throw a fun fact on the show for you. Plants at 85 degrees do not grow, but rather survive. So you get a lot of stunting, um, of cannabis plants when they exceed that. They can't take up nutrients. They're literally just passing water and acting as coolers and trying to make sure that they survive the heat. So Texas, I don't know if you know this, has a remarkable knack for being over 90 degrees from like May until the end of August. <laughs> even though no sometimes idea. In September. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> that was really cool for me. I don't know what you're talking about. Austin, what are you talking about? Oh, cool. That's great.
0: Well, yeah, it's triple digits, essentially. But yeah, yeah so much. Texas will get up to speed. You know, I, you know, I, I'm really proud of what I accomplished at the farm this year, really proud of the team, really proud of what we're doing. We're going to be pioneers. But let me just tell you, it was a six out of 10 this season. You know, we're, we were operating in the sense of, yeah, pandemic hit the world kind of chaotic, we got to get plants in the ground, the soil was ready, you know, late rain into harvest, all these things happen when you're farming. But let Texans figure it out. And like I said, within two years, we'll be a leader in this industry, a leader in these markets. And it just takes picking, breeding, and selecting the right plants moving forward. So...
1: Mm, yeah, I think that is a really fair point. I actually, my guest from a couple episodes ago, just to plug his episode, Narbe Alexandrian, he is the CEO of Canopy Rivers, which is a Canadian-based venture capital firm. He actually mentioned he's got his eye on the Texas market. So, you know, I believe that we have a great market that is just beginning, so I have hope for it as it matures, but it is always nice to see when big industry players also, you know, have high hopes for our state because yes, the current status of Texas hemp is is quite interesting, but to kind of circle back on something you said about the genetics and the seeds, again, I know very little about the actual farming and agriculture side, but I know obviously to some extent enough cuz I'm really curious and love to have these conversations. So, yeah. I read that if you're growing in Texas, there's a list of approved seeds. There's I, I'm making this part up. So whether it's like 70 or 30, there's a list and you can only grow those seeds. Now, is that because those have already been pre-vetted as seeds that will work better in Texas? Or is that just like a starting place for the industry? Mm.
0: So let me let me go ahead. No, no. So to start right off the top. We don't know what plants are going to do good in Texas. Texas farmers, it's all word of mouth right now. The land-grant universities have not actually put their hats into the ring yet and said, hey, this variety can withstand this. This variety performs in sandy loam. This variety performs in clay. That hasn't happened yet. Again, super late to the game. You know, we have our University of Murray State in Kentucky that have been doing this since 2014. The University of Indiana has been in the hemp game since 2016, I believe. Don't quote me on that one. But exploded. Texas just got the ability to be like, all right, we can grow this. And then we don't know where or in what plants will actually be able to do what in certain zones in Texas. So that answers one part of your question. But there is a list of approved seed varieties but let me tell you, there are approved seed varieties based on the COA submitted to the Texas Department of Agriculture being below that total Delta 9 percentage of 0.3. It's not because of their vigor and grounds. It's not because of their performance uh, in Texas soils, but rather what's been established in the zone in the, in the uh, geography that they've been grown in. So those are all plants that have been proven and submitted and vetted by the TDA. identified as okay these are compliant plants so I would say the list that's out now has nothing to do with performance but compliance as a first-year farmer we did two things we picked genetics from that approved tda list and we submitted genetics to that approved tda list for the 2021 season With that being said, we were very happy with the varieties that we grew and we were one of the first farmers in Texas to grow just pretty much an all CBG crop, so a cannabis girl crop, because we wanted to stay on the positive end and on the safe end of that total Delta 9 limit. Um, Like you said before, there were a lot of farmers that got into it, pushed their crops a little too long, or were overpromised the compliance of the genetics. And with them not being grown in Texas before had more sunlight exposure causing a spike in THC during the grow. And were scrambling to figure out how to, you know, stay compliant or sell a hot crop because there was a lot of failures this year because, you know, you get genetics out of state. They're, they're going to express themselves differently in this climate. They're going to express themselves differently in Texas soil. Yeah. We lucky we didn't have a, any of those issues, uh, our COAs came back, uh, from new bloom labs at a 0.0, uh, THC with a 16.34% CBGA. So pretty happy with that. Pretty proud of that. Again, can only go up, but
1: yeah, it's great percentages. No, that helps answer it. I guess my question then to follow up on that is like, as a farmer, does that work that you're doing trialing those seeds? How does that get submitted back? How do people start to learn and coach and really like help the right seeds or the right genetics rather survive?
0: That's a really great point. And it really starts with, and this is kind of comes from like the old cannabis world prior to legalization, it starts with getting trusted seed banks and growers in the space. Um, And that's what we're trying to do. And that's what we're currently doing at Texas Hemp Cultivators is, we are an agricultural business. We're not a cannabis business. We grow to stabilize genetics. So this year we took um, some select plant plants and we essentially feminized them and saved pollen for next year's crop to go to seed. That's essentially saying the plants that did good in Texas soil, they grew, they hit those points. Let's go ahead and save them and crossbreed them with the exact same variety we grew the year before and identify the second round, second generation of phenotypes that are just as strong. They can show vigor in this heat. They can hit the cannabinoid numbers that we want to reach or higher, and they can perform a full term for a Texas season. So it's a matter of just being able to establish breeding practices, have a lab to work with, to identify where you're hitting those cannabinoids, and then essentially have an agronomist on staff that's identifying, okay, this is the soil it's growing in. This is the rate at which it's growing. These are the positive traits they're expressing. These are the negative traits they're expressing and keep on propagating it and growing it season after season until like I said earlier, we hit that two-year mark where you have a bunch of back crosses that can withstand Texas heat and this plant is now acclimated to Texas and not the source in which it was grown previously. Because I think that was one of the biggest obstacles Texas farmers found out, especially the ones that fell flat on their face was, oh crap, this was grown in Oregon where it's pretty mild in the summer and the the soils are all volcanic and really rich. That's probably one of the more interesting things is just stabilizing the genetics in Texas. And that's what we're currently working towards.
1: Yeah, that's really awesome. I appreciate that clarification. I'm sure my listeners are like, wait, what? I had no idea what that means or what's that process like? And so kind of in that same vein, you know, knowing that, yes, Texas is a huge farm state. So I anticipate there's a lot of farmers who kind of like yourself were growing, but obviously not growing hemp. So maybe they were interested Mm -hmm. or are interested if they're listening or, you know, somebody who's interested in, in converting part of their, um, I don't know, is it crop crops to hemp? Um, cropland.
0: Yeah. yeah, They want to convert
1: their cropland. So I guess my question from your perspective, because again, I've walked through these licenses, but as more of a retailer or a processor a manufacturer, not so much as an actual hemp farmer, um although I do have a I have a license under my name, but I'm really just piddling around but obviously, it shows okay. how accessible anybody is. they can sign up and get a license, but I don't know if you have any thoughts or comments around just kind of like the process if someone is listening and they're like, "Hey, that sounds really cool. I would like to buy seeds and start growing like." Is there opportunity to grow? What does it look like? Should people be doing indoor, outdoor grow? Kind of like what are you observing as 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 being successful in Texas Great. and what yeah. do you recommend?
0: Great question. Great question. So first and foremost, I want to just lay this on the table for anybody that's getting into the hemp industry. And you might be able to second this as well from a different perspective. It's not a get in and get out industry. It's not a one and done, one year and you're done industry. It's not a quick, get rich quick scheme. It's essentially for somebody who wants to put the work in, see what their work can yield, and be able to market yourself as a brand and position yourself with transparency uh, with a product that you really sincerely believe in, and I don't know, you probably see a lot of people that are like, "Oh, I want to open a store, or do this and that." I I get a lot so of many, people that want to like, "Oh, many. I want to, I want to jump and be a farmer," and I'm like, "All right, this is what it is." And let me tell you, it's not, it's not the most glamorous. It's it's a lot of work, and you don't know when to turn it off. And that's just being a small business owner in general. You know, it's 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 not a just a I'm going to try it out thing. It's I want to do this for a good long while. I want to see what I can do in it. But with that being said, there's always room for growers. Just know your limits. It's just like anything. There's risk to any endeavor you ever take. And you've got to know your limits. You've got to partner with people that you trust and you've got to understand what you're trying to accomplish. You know, it's not reinventing the wheel. You know, agriculture has been around forever. A cannabis plant is a plant. It will grow be grown to be a commodity. So, understand where your end users are going to be understand if you can create your own market and understand if there's a need around you immediately um, before just trying to do something big and get a huge contract my recommendation for anybody that does consultation with texas hemp cultivators is really look at the viability of doing under three acres look at doing an acre look at doing a greenhouse full really get to understand these plants and get yourself you know ready for marketability Prior to trying to do something big and then just, you know, falling flat on your face, like I said earlier, I would say measure all your risks, really dive in, do the work and the principles behind growing, you know, get yourself a consultant, get yourself a trusted seed partner. So find somebody that's done it, find somebody that has a reputation, find somebody that you could get a referral from, and then ask them questions. Ask them why, ask them how. Anybody should be able to talk to you about agriculture. The people that don't tell you or say it's super easy, those are the ones that you need to watch out for. You need somebody that's going to tell you to you how it is and just explain to you from start to finish how things should go. And, you know, if you hear all that, you've got a green thumb and you want to get after it and you're okay with being in the Texas sun, you know, go for it. And I would say start small, get a greenhouse, like throw up a hoot house or a hoop house, do a test plot outside in pots before you put anything in the ground. I would just say start sm- start small so you can get Lone Star Big, you know.
1: <laughs> I love that. That's so smart. That's great. Yeah, okay, everybody yeah. listening, you heard it. If you need anything, you gotta go contact Sage. Like I said, I'm not a I'm not growing myself, but if I was I think you yeah, I think you I think you know a thing. Yeah, save some seeds for me. I'll hit
0: you. I'll hit you with your recommendation. I'd say, Shada, if you're gonna grow an acre, you need to do sixteen hundred plants per. You need four foot row centers. You need to be able to have your you know, your organic chicken manure down along yeah, your see,
1: rows. I don't know what any of that is, but I'm learning. I'm learning. I appreciate it.
0: Would you be the one getting a shovel and throwing the chicken manure out
1: anyway, though? You know. No, <laughs> that part is just not selling for the other me. I was going to, you know, I love sitting behind my computer desk and marketing and branding and talking on a microphone. Um, So I will leave the chicken manure to farmers like <laughs> the yourself. Day.
0: You know what? We, yeah. We've got more, more than enough to show. That's fine. Let's throw a little bit more
1: well, we're mm-hmm. almost at time, but my last question for you is, um, you know, I'm really passionate about cannabis as a whole plant. And as much as I love CBD and CBD retailers, you know, brands popping up and all these different products, CPG getting in there. What are some of the other applications that you're seeing, whether it's kind of at a national level? I know like I have a friend um, I'll shout out one of my other guests. His name is Amos. He's out in San Antonio. We recorded, One of my first episodes, you kind of got to scroll back to check his episode out, but it's titled Hemp and it's 50,000 Uses. Amos like loves hemp clothing, hemp, you know, plastics like there's just there's so many other applications that we don't talk about aside from just the you know medicinal consumption of cannabis. And I think hemp is really proving to be this multifaceted plant that most people just don't even realize. So when you're talking about farmers growing, for example, my observation is, wow, a lot of people in Texas grew for extraction or they grew for smokables. Thank God the smokable ban got pushed out a little bit because I think that protects a lot of us, both retailers and yeah, farmers. Yeah, no doubt. But like, I'm excited to see people setting up, like I said, processing and growing specifically for fabric, fiber, like let's turn it into other things. So what are you kind of observing, whether it's in Texas or beyond? I'm just curious.
0: So that's, you know, that's a really great observation and, you know, no pun intended, but I think a lot of cannabis gets the smoke and mirrors type of thing where that's the main focus. And that's unfortunately just not the best look for it. I mean, it does have its benefits. We all know it's medicine. It's It's been more of a lifesaver against the opioid crisis that we have currently. But this product is a very, a bit, hemp in general as a plant is a eco-friendly kind of solution to the world we're living in. You know, we're we're at the point where we've had the highest population in recorded history with it almost getting to 10 billion, supposedly by 2025, we're, we're looking down the pipe of we're outstripping the resources that we have on this planet faster than that we can replenish them. And, and hemp offers an invigoration in the rural community, not just because of the medicine side and the production side and getting people to, you know, grow it and get up and, you know, try to do something new, but it's also going to build an industrial side and an infrastructure for manufacturing. And essentially what I'm doing and what Texas Hemp Cultivators is doing not only positioning ourselves which a lot of other people are to breed, create genetics, create seeds and to sell really good, you know, seed to sale transparent organic products that are vertically integrated, but also getting to the the nitty-gritty of agricultural production and growing this crop not for oil, but for industrial hemp fiber and there's a process that's come out of Kentucky that was actually researched in 2014 by Murray State and a gentleman named Greg Wilson and turning hemp fiber. So imagine the stock, not the flower, not the beautiful stuff that we enjoy, smell, and you know, just mesmerizes us, but the stock. It's insanely dense with fiber and very structurally strong. A guy ends up baling and turning this product using compression and pressure into a wood fiber product that's then finished with a soy acrylic and 20 times harder than oak, and he called it hemp wood. So there's manufacturing processes that are going to match not only the clothing production, but for non-structural home building, renovations, flooring with a crop that takes a 100 days to grow versus the 60 years that it takes to grow a tree, an oak tree. And so, yeah, I, I guess the sky's the limit for that one product, but hemp has so many uses. I think the one that I'm most excited for is for the structural or not the non-structural building uses that it has and insulation uses that it has because in Europe, um, they've been using hemp handling and hemp fiber for BMW doors in German automobiles for years. Yeah. As an insulation. It's just, it's not just for smoking. It's its really for creating a more eco-friendly world that, uh, that we're all kind of shifting towards a more greener economy. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing I'm excited about is hopefully we get a a Texas hemp uh, wood plant and we can start building stuff with this thing. building, things out of hemp and that'll be really fun.
1: Yeah, that's really dope. I love learning about uh, all the different applications. And I think it's, it's all just beginning, right? You know, it is the processes it is. to get these farms to grow quality products that can then be stripped or pressed or extracted to turn into this array of other types of, you know, applications is, it is really interesting just because you reflect on at least I reflect a lot on how we got here, how we got into like cannabis being so stigmatized in general and when you really look back at the inception of kind of our our american society it's, you know, timber and cotton and and plastic and all these other types of products that have kind of surpassed hemp but obviously hemp has many of the same opportunities they've just been not made available to us. So we're really starting a new hemp revolution. And it's really exciting. And I'm really grateful that we were able to kind of kick this conversation off, especially in 2021, because I do think that there's just so much possibility and so much opportunity for our state with this plant. And obviously I've just been really fascinated with what you're doing and what you're building with Texas hemp cultivators. And really grateful we were able to have this conversation and just like share that excitement and that opportunity with my listeners. So hopefully they are, you know, getting curious alongside us and figuring out ways that they can take all this great information and apply it back because that's really what my intention of these conversations is meant for. It's just to help, you know, create and inspire a dialogue as we move forward. So is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to leave the listeners with, or maybe ways that they can get in contact with you?
0: Yeah, yeah. So no, I want to say first, you're doing a great job. I've listened to a couple of your episodes, Shada, and you're doing an awesome job of connecting people and really communicating who who's out there. And yeah, you're demonstrating a lot of curiosity. So I want to say you're doing great. Thank you for having me, um, and for your audience that they, they want to get to know me better, or you know they want to get in contact with me. I am always open to talk hemp. I'm always open to talk organics and. You know, I'm, I'm in Texas agriculture. I, I love growing. I love not only growing cannabis, but growing food for people. And that in turn grows people and grows the community at large. As you can, as you may well know with cannabis, there's an awesome community that grows out of it. Really good people emerge out of it. But you can reach me by going directly to the website at texashempcultivators.com or visit me on Instagram or Facebook at Texas Hemp Cultivators or just shoot me a a direct uh, email or DM at sagegrows.com or, you know, on my email on the website. And I'd love to hear from you. And like I said, Shada, thank you so much for having me. I I appreciate you. Thank you.
1: Obviously, we got into a lot of specifics around Texas Hemp agriculture and specifically growing hemp here in Texas. But I think, again, as a Texan, this is just such an exciting opportunity because growing it is really, it's the ground level. It's literally in the ground. It's the plant. It's what we're all consuming and, and it's the baseline for everything. But, you know, it's really exciting to see the opportunity. I know there's a lot of, um, there's a lot more room to grow to keep using these puns, but I do believe it. And I really think that it takes businesses and individuals like sage and what he's doing with texas hemp cultivators to really help drive this conversation to help educate others and y'all know that's what i'm all about is just communicating and leveling up the conversation and just hopefully helping contribute to consistency i want us to all be speaking the same language and so thank you sage for being a guest hopefully you guys really enjoyed that conversation Always a friendly reminder, if you liked this episode, please let me know. Reach out. Say, hey, I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm now hanging out on Clubhouse. I'm on Clubhouse with the handle at the shaded Tarabi. There's actually a lot of cannabis content going on over on Clubhouse, so I encourage you to go connect with me over there. But thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I really appreciate it you spending time listening to the guests that I'm, you know, connecting with and the stories that I'm highlighting and just really want to extend some gratitude. So thanks for tuning in. Your listenership really is appreciated until next time. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Love this episode of to be blunt. Be sure to visit slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshaidatarabi.